Welcome to the next scene, the podcast where we take on pop culture one scene at a time. New episodes start on November 11 with our six-part coverage of Home Alone for the Holidays. Until then, please enjoy our return to previous holiday specials, starting with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Days from 2017 with host Christopher Dennis DeGuardia and Pete Mummert. Some changes to our social media since this episode was recorded. We are still on Facebook at the Jelly of the Month Club, but you can now find us on Twitter at NextScenePod and on Instagram at NextScenePodcast. And now, on with the show. Season's greetings, and welcome to National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Days, the podcast where we light up your earballs one day at a time. I'm Sean from Five Minutes of Mime. I'm Chris from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Days. I'm Tabitha, a podcaster's wife, um, Jonathan Carlyle's wife, and I'm just hanging around. And I'm Jonathan, I'm Tabitha's husband and sometimes podcaster from uh, uh, The Princess Bride Minute. I'm George, and I'm married to neither uh, Jonathan or Tabitha. I'm from the Mogwai Minute. <laughs> and I am Neil, and I'm also from the Mogwai Minute. And uh, I'm sorry, Pete Mummert could not be with us today. He's out fetching us some figgy pudding. Nice. You better bring it right here. But thank you. Uh, <laughs> He's going to bring so. it right here, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He will be bringing us some figgy pudding, and if he does so quickly, he may he may get here before the end of the show, but... If not, um, you'll have that to take home afterwards. I won't. I won't go until I get some. <laughs> well, I won't go until I get some. <laughs> ah, beat you, George. Fix it in post. Zing, yeah. <laughs> but so, th- thank you, uh, Tabitha and Jonathan and, and George and Neil for uh, for bothering to show up. We really appreciate it. I'm, I'm very excited for uh, today as we were talking about December 18th of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And today, conveniently, we we know it's December 18th because we start with a little peek at the advent calendar. Um, so solves that mystery. It is definitely December 18th. No question about that. I was wondering how you guys knew <laughs> of the, like some investigative journalism, you know, context clues, just pulling it all from like just the angle of the sun and that sort of thing. And we just watched the movie, basically. <laughs> oh, well, then there's like now you just take the mystery away. Is it only the first day that you don't know for sure? No, there's actually a few days that we've had to puzzle it out. So it is a, it's not all the days are so easy. Okay. Um, but this day, we happen to get a peek at the advent calendar. So we know. Well, a question I've got is because we then go into, like, after today, it's not the 19th. Not wanting to spoil what the actual day is. So why do you think they don't just go, like, you know, day after day after day after day? Why do they skip days? <laughs> Nothing happens right there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe some days nothing interesting happens. Like, tell you what, if you had every single yeah. day between now and Christmas <laughs> that was just like this one, I don't think you could handle it. So you mean the writers have given Clark a little downtime for a few days, get him back to... Yeah, he's got to heal. No, it's just a curious writing choice. Like, you, all of the events <laughs> of the next day, you just make the 19th, or you make this the whatever right? I mean... I was just kind of like, well, so what happened in those two days? I mean, something must have happened. <laughs> Maybe you had it's a lost true. time episode. You blacked out. 
I mean, it doesn't seem like this guy is <laughs> capable of, of spending like more than 10 minutes without getting into some sort of nonsense. Maybe those were just, are they in the deleted <laughs> scenes? Are there deleted days? I should check out the... He's to recover he's, from all his calamities. Maybe he's just in one, like two days in one of those tanks where it's just like zero <laughs> sensory. He's just like, yeah, he's just like, it's the only way to get him through. <laughs> A sleep deprivation chamber? Yeah. No, I mean, sensory deprivation, not sleep deprivation. <laughs> well, how... Was it was it planned from the beginning? Now, see, I know I don't think you realize right. this being uh, from the UK and all, but this is a documentary. But like, can I also just say they really did send a film crew around to follow this guy around for you know the twelve days of Christmas. Was it was that planned from the beginning to have the advent cal- calendar? Say what? Was that planned from the beginning to have the advent calendar, or was this uh, <laughs> you know being national lampoons? I know sometimes you know the narrative can get a little messy. I wonder if that was somebody's brilliant idea to pull it all together at the end. Yeah, all the advent calendar stuff is just pickup shots. So like, uh, let's tie this together with an advent calendar. Somebody go find one and shoot it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did have a question on that. So, like, the hand that's opening the door, I'm pretty sure it's a man's hand, but I'm also pretty sure it's not Chevy Chase's hand. It is sort of an odd hand that's reaching oh, in. That's probably... It's God. It's it's just, like, some teamster who's on the set, like, can you open a door? Open, yeah. <laughs> well, if you look at the... Uh, me time you- and a half on that. You can find the the uh, the original script on it, and sometimes like it's supposed to be Ruby Sue's hand, or it's supposed to be someone else's hand. They do something you know wacky that you're you read about, and you're glad they cut it out. But I think they were gonna try to do more with that stuff, but they just didn't. I don't know if they had every every day had a Advent thing, but if you look at the script, yeah. there's like uh, they did a little bit more with it. And like I said, it's better that uh, we see what we It'd see. Be better if it was Nicolette Scorsese's hand. Other stuff is terrible. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> Thanks for not giving me any Nicolette Scorsese yeah. minutes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Thank You're welcome. I, uh, I planned it that way. Yeah, so I don't know if it's the same hand every time we see the calendar. It it looks like a chimney sweep's hand. Uh, the, the nails are dirty, and, and yeah, it's not a clean hand we're seeing. Maybe it's supposed to be Santa Claus's hand. That's what I was noticing, too. He looks pretty dirty. It's the chimney work. It's supposed to be Santa Claus. We've already talked about how disgusting chimney sweeps are because of Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah. This guy couldn't even wash his hand for his big He's shot, a mythological though. figure. He can do what he wants. You know, wash oh. one hand. If that's David Duchovny's hand, this is the best movie ever. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. No no one gets the, the Zoolander reference? Oh, no. I get it now. Good one, though, Sean. Good one. I'm with you. No. I no, I I apologize. Actually, I'm the one who should be sorry. So after the we see the the, the hand of a mysterious figure opening the door for December 8th on the advent calendar. Then we switch to downtown Chicago and Clark's place of business, some unnamed corporate entity, high rise, possibly the Nakatomi building, possibly not. We don't know. I hope so. (laughs) Except, you know, different cities, but maybe they have, you know, multiple corporations. They're multinational. Yeah. Yeah. The the Midwest headquarters for Nakatomi. And we, we queue to, uh, Clark's boss's office. So it's uh, Frank Shirley in his long desk, and Clark is coming by to deliver a, a Christmas present. Do do you guys the to uh, you folks who have who have day jobs? Do you deliver presents to your bosses? No, uh, no, I've never given a boss a present. No, I'm gonna say I, no. no. I don't know if I have in the past, but my 
boss is actually a friend of mine, so I do plan on giving her a gift this year. <laughs> but but it's yeah. a friend present, not a boss present. It'll be kind of that, yeah, like a friend. But she's a pretty awesome boss too. So like, oh, I should get her something. Will so. it be the same present that everybody else got? Yeah. Maybe it's gonna be one of these little short presents that has a long <laughs> box beside it. She's boss with a bow on top. So so yeah. What do you think those yeah. things are? What, yeah. I would know what, what is the, the letter L. I'm gonna wrap up yep. the letter L. L and give it to her. <laughs> For Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Just an L shape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so weird. Such a weird <laughs> the yeah. But it's just a one piece. It's a Tetris set, I think. <laughs> Just the one piece, yeah. No, I'm kind of still stuck on the concept of this being like a shared universe with Die Hard and the idea of Clark Griswold at one point maybe almost going to the Christmas party at the Nakatomi Plaza back in 86 and just maybe not quite missing it because, oh, well, you know, I had to do something else. I like that idea. I, I like the idea that this is a shared universe with Die Hard because this movie, in this movie, it makes a lot more sense to me that, that Tom Taylor is the protagonist rather than Die Hard. <laughs> Given this is based in Chicago, right? So, in in my mind, this is just Tom Taylor. Yes, pretty much. Right, as as played by Chevy yeah, Chase. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty well, much. He can, well, they're both tall. Exactly. That checks out. Mind. Now, do you think he's? I feel like he would be a. I'm t- like cutting back to the boardroom, the CEO of his company. Do you think he'd be a little bit more important enough to like have maybe a a, a, a like a nicer phone to be yelling at people on? Well, he's got all those hourglasses. I mean, I mean, I know those speaker phones existed in like 89. They had to have. I don't know. This may have been the nicest phone that, that existed at the time. Well, judging, judging from and everything else. This is else, a long time ago we're, we're talking about. Um, I guess. I mean, they don't even have, they, they, <laughs> they barely have clocks. He's doing all his timing with these hourglasses. Yeah, based on his, uh, <laughs> yeah, based on his table and his lights and all that stuff, I'd imagine I, the phone should be like twice as big, you know, twice as long, I should say. Like when he picks it up, it like goes down to his chest or something. <laughs> well, he's got a clock behind him, and then maybe maybe this is supposed to symbolize that he's father. He's like time, and time is ruthless and merciless, and it just grinds you down, and you know eventually kills you. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> see, I, I see. I think he uses these for for interviews. This is one of those those like brain teasers. Like I've got a three minute hourglass. I've got a seven minute hourglass. I've got a ten minute hourglass. Now time fifteen minutes, or you know, one of those. Make me a perfect six minute yeah. egg, <laughs> <laughs> or a sixty two degree yeah. egg. Uh, but but he seems to have set up his office in the conference room. It's a really strange setup. Oh, that's true. Oh, I think it's supposed to be his office. It's just that ridiculously big, and ostentatious, and awful. It's the eighties. Yeah, because there doesn't seem to be any other chairs. There isn't like chairs along the sides of this long table. It's just he's, he seems yeah. he's compensated. He seems like surprised. He seems surprised at Clark. <laughs> so you'd think he'd have like seven assistants for Clark yeah. to negotiate before he gets in there. Like Clark is literally <laughs> Clark's literally just walked straight in, <laughs> like surprising the boss. Yeah, it's it's well, yeah. And getting cast the assistants, it's like the the levels of the dungeon in the Princess Bride that you have to fight <laughs> all the assistants to get into to see the boss here. But it's the book, not not the movie. They don't have any levels in the right. movie. It's just it's, the book. It's the book. So now people have to read the book. <laughs> so, You're welcome. Well, if that's the case, then how many other people... Uh, maybe Clark didn't have to fight him because everybody else apparently got there with their presence. So, so mm. somebody was the mm. first one that, that fought through. Yeah, so he oh, said right. they walk through the open doors now. The do they regenerate? The <laughs> like, like, oh, I don't know. 
Well, I think you have to like wait a while before they uh, reset. You have maybe after midnight yeah. they reset all the levels. I imagine Clark is a guy that waited for somebody else to do it, and then he walked in during that reset period because he he kind of walks mm-hmm. in pretty slow. Yeah, and that's like why busts in like he just. That's why they have all have the same presence then. It's yeah. just like it's, it's an item. He, yeah, he's just well yeah. present of giving. It's like yeah. a it's like when you get like the you bust into the room to get the item, except it's like the reverse. Like you have to leave the item. <laughs> He's got to leave part of himself behind. It's a sacrifice. <laughs> Although I, I, he, I like how he peeks in, and I, I understand that he's like, "Hey, I'm, I'm peeking in, and like I'm being timid." But then I can't stop looking at the fact that the lamp is too close to the little line in the wall, and it's, it, it bothers me. Well, yeah, because it, and now it would bother you guys yes. too. Because it's not right on the line; it's just <laughs> near the line. No, no, it's, it's tangential. So if it, they pushed it over like three inches and it was kind of offset in the middle of that space, it'd be fine. But no, it's too. It, it stresses me out. <laughs> well, that explains why the boss is so grumpy. Why Frank is so grumpy? Because he just spends all day yeah. looking at that lamp, trying to like Jedi force it over three inches. But the table's so long, he's not actually going to get up and walk to the other side of the room. I would have asked Clark. I'm like, hey, you're over there. Or, or, yeah, hey, grease, grease ball. ball. On your way I say, out. Grease, grease ball. ball. That's what he calls it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> grease ball. It's a good one. <laughs> well, though, I like that, the, you know, he's he's gruff. He has some issues. But this is he, the, the boss is not completely bad or not completely evil. Uh, as I allude to, at first, he doesn't remember Clark's name. He refers to him as Grease Ball. But when Clark mentions the presentation that that Clark gave him and SNL that went, that refreshes his memory. And then he does refer to him as Griswold. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember this guy. He did the, the report that I presented at the conference. And yeah, Griswold. Doesn't he say his name? Doesn't Clark say his name when he comes in, though? He says, who's that? And he goes, uh, it's me, Clark Griswold. Yeah, and then he calls him Griswold and a second later... Yeah. Then he calls him Greaseball, yeah. and then he gets it right. So he purposefully gets it wrong. It's power then... play. It's totally power play. All right. Maybe he's just totally evil. <laughs> I, tried. I tried, Frank. What I tried. <laughs> what level What level do you guys think Clark, like how many people between Shirley and Clark do you think there is in this, the hierarchy of this company? Oh, many. Like like, yeah. like, like a million? Like, okay. Many. Yeah, At a least lot. seven. Like that org chart is pretty pretty big and i feel like he's, he's many nowhere la- near many layers like down a senior exec level he's nowhere near getting up the kind of board table it seems like he's got to be up there a little bit in order to be able to get to his office he just be able to read a map because they've got to have a lot of little people <laughs> what do you think he does he's one of those middle management yeah. guys like that's why there's so many of the same present they're like supposed to be like everyone thinks the same he's one of those guys that just sort of like falls in yeah. line yeah, because... What do you think specifically he does, though? Do you think he's a... Because he's obviously in charge of this this one particular product and possibly other, like, developmental things, right? Like, so he's kind of like an R&D kind of person working on this kind of coding mm-hmm. as well as potentially other things. But it's, I don't think he's, like, a, a scientific aspect. He's just the bureaucratic aspect of it. So this is my department. This is yeah. what we work on. Yeah. I think he's, like, like the project manager. Keeping out for scope creep. I don't know. See, I had him more as the scientific bit. I I know more is the scientific side of it because um, he doesn't have any other kind of skills. Like he doesn't really seem to be able to manage himself in any other way. So I so in in my mind, 
But that's but that's how a lot of managers are. They they can't take care of themselves, but they're good at bossing other people around because they're they're good at delegating and shifting blame. No, see, middle that's political savvy though. That and that and in, within an organization, you need you need skills to do that and to get to that position. In my mind, he's just he's only there because he's the one who has deep back there somewhere this scientific background, and he's he's the uh, one that, that that knows how this stuff works from a scientific perspective. Yeah. I, so he so he knows his way around the lab. He, but that's all he knows. That's all he can do. Outside of that, he's lost. Right. I mean, on the one hand, when we when we see the way he deals with the Christmas lights, the obsessiveness, the over-engineering, the ridiculousness of it, you're like, okay, that it, the personality seems to fit a you know chemical engineer, or mechanical engineer, something so. like that. But then you hear him talk, and I get I don't get the impression that he's really that bright but mm. yeah i don't know i get yeah. the impression that he is around this stuff and he is part of a department that's doing things and so he like in the the next scene when he talks about this uh, silicone based stuff right that he he hears other people talking about it and what it should do and what it's supposed to do but i don't think he really knows what it's what's going on i think he's yeah, it's like he's reading off of a PR, like a like a PR yeah. statement or something like that. It's like, oh, it's zero calorie silicone base, four hundred times faster than slicker than you know. It's just bullet points that he's read off of some sort of press. Yeah, they read the presentation. Yeah, generated by people that actually know what it's going, what it's doing. But he's the one who they asked to write the report. Right. Yeah, because they don't want to do it. Or it could be his group generated the report, but he was just overseeing it because he's more of a, a manager managerial. Right. Well, maybe so. Maybe know, he's you know he's writing the press release. But he's gathering the information from the scientists and the engineers. They give him the stuff, and he distills it down into bullet points. That's why he can talk to it and 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 do the presentation for the big boss. But he's you know he's the interface. He he's the go between. The, the, the liaison. The liaison. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, the way that his boss reacts to it right. when he asks, uh, "I hope my report helped out in the trade show," and he has that long pause. <laughs> That's why I, even though he's writing reports and stuff, I feel like no one really cares. Like that report probably didn't actually do anything. Most people don't. The only people that care about the reports you write are like the people that you give them to in the next level. And then that gets distilled down to this. And like when it finally gets to this guy, it's like five bullet points on a page. And he's like either yes or no. Next next question. So, so by this though, yeah. this means Shirley's being like uncommonly kind to him. By saying, yeah, yeah, I think it worked. I think it helped out he's, a lot. But he's being, um, he's being dismissive. He he doesn't even remember this report. He's like, I'm sure it helped. Yeah, whatever. Get out. Yeah, he just wants him to leave. He's just like, but he's being. He's 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 just he's yeah. Because if he say it did help, then he'll just move on. If he yeah. says he didn't, then it might be more conversation. Like, oh well, what can I do to make it better next time, and all that sort of stuff. And he's like, I do not want that. He's just going to what what yeah. What can I say that will get this guy to leave? He's gonna try to fix it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got to retool things, so he's uh, he's busy. Yeah. Now, uh, do you guys think Clark is uncomfortable in this situation? I think Clark is uncomfortable in every situation. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, like overly, like, because Shirley doesn't want him here. He he seems to want to be there, but he wants to get out at the same time. Yeah, that weird long linger they leave on his face when he uh, asks him about it. He's just like, mm, yes. He's like, he's 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 way out of his element. Yes. I think he's yes. just hoping for that bonus. So. Whatever he can do to... Yeah, he's got to get his name in there. Ingratiate himself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're, all, we're all just thinking about Shirley. <laughs> yeah. Frank Shirley. That, that golden voice. Yeah. Don't call me Shirley. 
Uh, so then we cut to, we leave the, the busy offices of the Nakatomi Midwest headquarters. And we cut to later that same evening where the Griswold clan has gone out to the sledding mountain. And they're up on the top of the mountain. And, and Clark is, as we've alerted to, uh, demonstrating one of his company's products, a silicon-based lubricant that he's applying to the sled. Wes George, does this look familiar to you? Uh, this area? It vaguely resembles Kingston Falls. No, this is actually Colorado now. What? Not in the no. movie, but the, the, the location of this is Colorado. I had no idea. And I guess that could be Denver in the background. The, the mountain of the Walmart. It's supposed to be like Breckenridge, yeah. Colorado, I guess it says. Oh. Do you know Breckenridge at all? I know it's a big state. I mean, I'm, I'm not used to big states, sorry. I know, I, I know of it. I've never been there. It's like up in the mountains, like Aspen and that sort of thing. It's up there. That's oh, okay. the snow pattern. <laughs> so I was trying to figure, you know, those trees There's, and all yeah. those. The, it's the place in Colorado that has the trees. You don't recognize the snow, George? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the trees in the Walmart. Yeah, the Walmart at the bottom of the big hill, right? Do they all end in Walmarts? Those trees. Those... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I see the. Should go there, George. Looks I nice. see the growth pattern and the fact of the wind kind of pushing him as they do grow. That it is probably about seventy-five miles from here on like the leeward side of the mountain. <laughs> see, that's what I'm saying. You're a mountain man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a <the> beard. <laughs> yeah. But no, because I, I wanted to find out, you know, where, where I'm trying to make sense of all this. Like, where do they live? Where do they work and everything? Uh, where do they sled? And I was disappointed to find well, out. Well, that's not, that, I mean, it's a bit of a drive from from Colorado to Chicago. But it is. It really is. It really, I was looking for like Walmarts in Chicago. And then I looked it up on IMDb and it said Colorado. I'm like, okay. Maybe yeah. that's where the two days went. It's going backwards and forwards uh, to Colorado. They know this really great sledding place and they're going to go to Maybe it. they came to Michigan because that looks a lot like Michigan. That's not so <laughs> Michigan, far away. See? There you go. <laughs> yeah, can't, is there a lot of good snowing? I mean, sledding in Chicago area proper? I don't know. I've, I've... Yeah. Is there even hills in Chicago? We need, we need Tommy. We need Tommy T. Yeah, he would know. Like, oh yeah, it. sure, sure. There's a there's a great there's a great sledding up uh, up there. Maybe I don't know. Maybe about an hour outside the city. <laughs> He's gonna talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Guys, I really hate this. Scene. Tell us why. I, I really, I really <laughs> hate this hate scene. It? I love this scene. Here's the thing, Neil. Oh. This is this. I think it's defining for both of us because. I cannot ever remember watching this scene in this movie and not laughing every single time this sled takes off. George, George, I I watched this movie yesterday. Uh, I probably hadn't seen it, oh God, a long, long time. I didn't laugh one single time this entire movie. I hate this movie, guys. (laughs) I really, really hate this movie. Oh, come on completely sucks it it's not funny it does it doesn't go for kind of a sp- it just oh my god oh man and this scene just epitomizes the entire thing what, what, don't, <laughs> what don't you like this scene about is it is it the special effects or is it just what he's doing or i just think it's because neil hates christmas oh neil <laughs> it's fan yeah it's, it's fantasy it, it's... it got it sets it just gets it all wrong. He it sets off way too fast. He goes far too far. At the end, they're looking at him. They're they're looking at him like they see him 
that's the joke. It's just really bad. <laughs> we want to see him at a realistic speed, really and it's really it's, it's, yeah, did, it's, it's did augmented reality. Is that's what's going on here? <laughs> this is, I mean, aside from being a wonderful movie, this is arguably probably the one you know one of, if not the most wonderful scenes in a most wonderful movie. One of my favorite scenes in all of cinema. Wow. Um, for for the exact same reasons you state, it's yes, so it's funny. ridiculous. It's not going to go that fast. And <laughs> how are they suddenly? You know, he, he goes so far. They're suddenly at the top of this very tall mountain, and he's going down the road, and he keeps going. And it's just it's the wonderful, the whimsy, the fantasy. You know, the make believe. You just you have to be young at heart and just enjoy it. <laughs> It's the farce of every time you think they're going to stop, they keep going. They keep going, exactly. That's where it's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, he keeps going. I like it because it actually... Go ahead, Tabitha. Oh, no, I say I like it because it actually reminds me of my childhood because we would go out sledding like that all the time. And, um, you know, we had people, they would spray like silicone spray on the bottom of tubes and and then make big mounds of snow. So you're like going down these hills so fast and then you fly over it and you pretty much fly off your tube every time, but it's dangerous. <laughs> and I mean, we have a hill at our house. And when I was watching this mm-hmm. last night, I'm like that. Okay. This is a lot longer than our hill, but it reminds <laughs> me of that when you're weaving through trees at the bottom and you hope you don't die. And our kids know to bail. <laughs> because it's like, <laughs> So it just, yeah, it has a lot of memories for me because that's, Okay, I didn't end up at Walmart or take off with, you know, rocket speed, but yeah, it's crazy like that sometimes. I just think Neil doesn't like topography. I think part of it is the rocket speed. It's just like when you when he does set off, <laughs> it's just it's just a ridiculous speed that It's hilarious. It's really not, George. <laughs> I think it's just that it, it, and that makes it unreal for me and and I think they could have done this and made it funny, but not made it like that crazy, unreal rocket with the sound effect, with the <laughs> flames. But that's the whole thing. I mean, this movie is is based of like this quasi-reality wrapped around these like little nuggets of absurdity. No, but if you think about the other stuff around the house, all the stuff like he falls off the roof and does that. <laughs> the cat electrocuting itself, the yeah, turkey that... collapsing, all the lights, I was the, thinking... the weird ice sickles shooting across the yard and busting the CD player in well, the neighbor's house. It's those little moments of crazy that make right, it so much fun. But they're not crazy. Like, all that stuff <laughs> could actually happen. It's not like it's... All right, the turkey... The turkey's gone right and it's done the cat is is dead the the icicle shoots out the the drain that could all happen this is like it's just delves too far in, in into the kind of like this is obviously not how it actually was they've augmented this too far kind of exaggerated it but they've exaggerated too much for me the take it just takes me out of it so it would have been better if he would have like kind of just taken off a bit and then just like stuck in the snow like when you're trying to go and you don't go anywhere and then just fall over on his face or <laughs> no just have him this is too much just have him go down but just don't you don't need to have him go down at a thousand miles per hour with like flames and this jet noise right he... neil neil would if he if he'd have done that well, neil would have chuck would have been <laughs> cracking yeah. cracking show see i think I, I think you get i think you have to have that shot like that to me that's what makes it all funny because because then very quickly as he's going down the hill he's got 
you know, he's like spinning and he's got this obvious blue screen. Yeah, I, don't like the I, I don't like that part, but, but, uh, <laughs> this, this whole just rocket shooting off thing that, 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 uh, just hits you. I don't know. I just like that. He says later dudes. <laughs> and then you get to the road and just, <laughs> yeah. And you get to the roads and there's like sparks kicking up and he about hits a school bus. And that's, that's the great thing about yeah. this scene. It's like, it's so ridiculous because so it just, just doesn't stop. I just want to point out that. That Neil covers a movie about a creature that turns evil because it has a late night snack, but this sled going too fast, like that's too much. So sleds don't go fast, but Mogwise, that could happen. Yeah. <laughs> but I do. I, I, I want to the, the little thing you pointed out, Tabitha. This one, the one thing about this scene that I actually do have an issue with, and I, I don't usually come at. This, you know, <laughs> totally the, fine. the movie by minute thing from a, a technical perspective. And I usually don't talk about things like ADR, but those last lines that Clark says before he launches, I don't think it's Chevy Chase, the like hang 10 dude. Like his mouth isn't moving. It doesn't sound like him. That's like the worst ADR in the history of everything. But that's the only, that's the, that's the one thing about this scene that I will admit does not work. <laughs> <laughs> It, it fits more like when I was a kid, I always wanted to snowboard, but I didn't. That was kind of at the beginning of snowboards, or at least my knowing about it. So we would stand on sleds and try to sled down <laughs> the hill standing up. So that sounds like something more I like, you know, a middle schooler would say as they're trying to go down standing on a sled, you know, like they're surfing down <laughs> the hill um, and saying later, dude. I think he's just trying to be the cool guy. He's trying to be like, I'm I'm fun. I'm hip. Yeah. He is trying to be a cool guy, for sure. Well, you got to give Randy Quaid his due. He definitely takes the scene and makes it his own. I think this is a peak kind of Eddie moment. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. Totally. This is one of the best Eddie moments. Time to fire up the microwave. <laughs> I'd piss myself and forget who I was for about half an hour. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> I like how we, we skipped right to this part. And, uh, com- you know, Neil's completely fine with talking about the plate in his head and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't mind all that stuff. I quite yeah, I quite like Eddie's character. It's he he's quite kind of like understandable and believable. I just you know I think that there are, there are some. He's <laughs> <laughs> totally believable. <laughs> I almost just spit out my water when you said that. <laughs> the only other people out there like Eddie's character are every other Randy Quaid character ever played. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure people like Eddie. Uh, there's plenty, plenty of them kicking around. Yeah, but I, I, but yeah, I don't mind that stuff with Eddie because it's just talking. That's the thing. I, for me, it was just the the way that they're set off on this that takes it out visually. Well, so it sounds like what what Neil wants is if there was a sequel to Christmas Vacation that was about Cousin Eddie instead of about Clark, <laughs> then that would be the movie for Neil. Is that does that sound accurate? I'm shocked that there's not. There is. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think Ed, there is. Okay, well there you go. Really? I, I no. I I think it's pro. He's probably okay in the doses that we get him in this movie. But again, Neil doesn't like excess, so it's too much. But there actually there is a sequel. Oh my goodness! It's just called Shitters Full. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there actually this is the one movie of the National Lampoon Vacation series that got his own sequel. There's actually a Christmas Vacation 2, okay. Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure. <laughs> and, it, and it sounds like he's making it up, and he sadly is not. I, I wish I was. It's It's got, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's Cousin Eddie and Catherine and their kids, 
and we actually get the original Audrey uh, Griswold from the original <laughs> Vacation movie coming back. And it's a so there is if you want more Cousin Eddie, there's he's got his own sequel, Christmas Vacation Two. Oh, I never even remotely have heard of this. Is uh, it, it, is Nicolette Scorsese in it? Yes. I mean, oh, wow. it's not actually, oh, then I'm, then I'm but in. no one tell Neil that. We're going to tell him that, <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> Just to get him to watch it. Let's let him find out on his own. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you guys, I really didn't like this movie. The, the things that I did like about this movie are, are some of the kind of, um, the, the, the more minor characters, like, uh, like Ellen's yes. mom, uh, like the, the, mom, the mom from Everyone Loves Raymond, and like... Uh, yeah. I liked, um, you know, Margot from next door. Todd like, and Margot, sure. Those kind of they're those great. characters, I, I think. I like I like the guys next door. Um, yeah, they're Absolutely. great. Oh, Be- Beverly D'Angelo. <laughs> Beverly D'Angelo is hot stuff. She's great. Um, but Clark, Clark just uh, I can't I can't see. But there's Clark. I think I, he doesn't he just doesn't sit well with me. I think maybe maybe one day at a time is is too much for you, Neil. Maybe we knew, do need to go back and watch this movie one minute at a time. For you to really appreciate it, because even oh, please no, please no. <laughs> well, even within this day, there's a great callback in this minute. So we're talking about Eddie. You know, Eddie's talking about the plate in his head, and and he can't go down the mountain and whatever. And Clark's just trying to. He's not. You know, he's he's trying to end the conversation. He's trying to be polite That's without true. engaging. You know, so he's like. Fine, yeah, plate, you can't go. And then he's mm. like, well, if it gets dented, my hair won't look right. And, you know, Eddie keeps going. But that's what we <laughs> yeah. we just said the same thing about earlier the same day when Clark is talking to mm. his boss. And his boss is, mm-hmm. you know, trying to do be minimally politely engaging to say just enough so that this guy will leave. And Clark's kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, he's trying to do the same thing here to Eddie. He's trying to like, all right, I'm not going to be rude. I'm not turning my back. I'm not telling you to shut up. But I'm not, you know, I'm not asking for more information. I'm not asking for more details. I'm trying to end this conversation in a polite way. So what Clark is doing to Eddie is the same thing that Frank was doing to Clark. So it's, you know, there's a symmetry there. There's 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 different angles yeah. to these personalities and the way they're working and, and the way Clark is interacting with the people above him and his boss and the people that in his mind are below him like cousin Eddie. Well, Clark's got this sort of like delusion of, of self-importance. And so he ought to, I think he thinks that the people around him and to some extent, but to a nicer extent, he's not mean, but he is somehow in his own way, like better. He's got this sort of like mild superiority complex because he thinks his ideas for Christmas are the best. He needs to have the thing. Oh, I'm going to try this like new silicone thing in the bottom of this sled because this is going to be great. We need the biggest Christmas tree. Like his ideas are yes. what defines this movie. Without his ridiculousness, this wouldn't be a movie. Right. The biggest tree, the fastest sledding. Yeah, everything's mm-hmm. superlative. Yeah, which is ridiculous. That's what makes it so engaging. No. Yeah. I hear minds changing. I think Neil's coming around to us on this. And he needs a pool to give his family because he thinks he should have a pool. Yeah. Well, I definitely think I want a pool. I guess that's my mind's changed. <laughs> I need a pool. Isn't it weird to have a pool in Chicago? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be like really cold in the winter? Wouldn't you be, not be able to use it for like five months? Yeah, you, yeah, you don't. Yeah. 
Unless you have a hot dog. Which, that's a whole nother Christmas bonus altogether. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't get yeah. me started on Clark's questionable financial decisions here. Like, <laughs> that's, a future, that's a future day. That's not for us. <laughs> right? <laughs> As Neil is one who is in finance, he's got, oh, I have a special yeah. bone to pick with him on that. The, you've got the only scene that I really, really, like, start to finish enjoyed in this in this movie actually it's not the full scene so that's not right it's when clark's trapped in the attic and he's watching the old christmas home movies that's Mm -hmm. the only real bit that i was like nah okay this is this is nice this is good this is good this is well made this is well done it's kind of uh it's it's actually adding something to the character uh that we're seeing here and then of course it's all completely ruined when he falls through the trap door when ellen eventually opens the door (laughs) let's call it setup so do you start to like him there? Uh, you know? uh, yeah, well, kind of. Like, I, I started to kind of like the movie there. Maybe not him, but I started <laughs> to like the movie. I mean, he had just spent the last few minutes, like, hitting himself in the face with, with wooden planks. <laughs> but when he finally sat down, <laughs> yeah. See, you say these things, Neil, and we, and we laugh. We laugh because we're thinking of him hitting himself in the face with planks. See, the funny thing to me about this, this whole rocket sled thing is is, uh, you know, Clark does have these grandiose things where he's got to have the biggest and the best and everything. Right. And this time he actually succeeds, and it's he's surprised by it. Like, you know, he's swearing as he goes down the hill. Yeah, strange. For for all his planning, those, that kind of sled, those just dishes. Be careful what you wish there's for. There's no fins. There's no rudder. There's really no way to steer. I mean, these are... These are suicide machines that, that mm-hmm. they... Not trips to Walmart. And I think with, the, with kind of like the shoddy effects... I'm oh, sorry, what did you say? Oh, nothing. I said just not. It's not. They're not made for trips to Walmart. <laughs> they're made for straight lines and then short runs. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I wonder if, if, if the they were kind of going all in on the, the cheesy, like the backdrop and everything. You know, going all the way with it to say, okay, we know this looks silly. So we're going to make him do a few 360s and do all this crazy stuff on the way to yeah. like make it more ridiculous. Is this, is, is this day, is this... Yeah, yeah, is this where all the budget went? Oh my God. We, we, I think we talked in, in a, another day. This movie cost almost as much as Ghostbusters. Um, I, where do I have it? What? Really? I think it was. For I what? think this was the budget. Uh, I think it was like the budget for this was twenty-seven million, and the original, the first Ghostbusters movie, was thirty million. What? Like the the budget was surprisingly close between the two. For one being like a supernatural, very special effects heavy, and then this just this just being well not just but huh. this being a Christmas movie, and this being other than um, I guess the lights on the house, which I don't know if those were actual lights or if that's in a you know an effect. Other than the electric bill to light up the Griswold household, this is really the only scene that's heavy on hmm. special effects. Well, that and and the cat, but <laughs> maybe they oh, those. <laughs> Maybe Mr. Shirley's hourglasses are like uh, Sir Isaac Newton, Newton's real hourglasses, and they spent twenty million getting them. I, know, I was thinking. I thought you were maybe you were going to say one of those hourglasses has Sir Isaac Newton's ashes in it, and that's why they're so expensive. <laughs> Good, well, made that too. It could. I can't imagine what they spent the money. Uh, other than uh, Chevy Chase's uh, salary. For doing the movie, yeah, I can't imagine where all the uh, all that money went. Well, they needed this what, sledding stunt guy to go down do the know? hill, so maybe that cost a, cost a little uh, bit. Cause... I have a feeling it cost more to have Chevy Chase's face in the scene mm. than it did to have the stunt guy. <laughs> do all this stuff. 
yeah. true. Not enough in my book. Do we know <laughs> whatever it is. I, I don't know. I don't know the number, but you know, the man earns every penny. It's uh, it's wonderful. <laughs> Neil, he's a national treasure. Was this peak? Was it peak Chevy Chase? This where where is this in Chevy Chase's uh, rise and fall? Uh, this is post Fletch, but before he starts to like fall off the deep end and like you know in the nineties. So yeah, I'd say this is kind of at his peak. Or yeah, it might have been like his peak, like family notoriety or mm-hmm. something. You know, where he... Fletch wasn't necessarily a family show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he he pulled in thirty. I mean I'm sure sure his name attached to his what it got nearly a thirty million dollar budget to make a Christmas movie. Well, yeah, because then this is followed by. Um... So this is 89. Two years later, 91, he's doing nothing but trouble. Yeah. Which apparently I'm the only person in the world who actually likes. Apparently you are. I thought yeah. it was a good movie. But <laughs> but then, the yeah, this is really peak because then 92, it's, oh, I'm going to be the comedian who starts doing the serious stuff <laughs> with memoirs of an invisible man. Which I really like. And then I it's really all like just straight down from there. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> Totally believable that. Movie. Oh no, that movie's horrible. What are you? T- <laughs> You're all wrong, Neil. What is going on here? Because I, yeah, I think after this, other than Vegas Vacation, as far as I'm concerned, this could be the end of his career. I don't know if there's anything. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds right. That sounds right. This movie is the end of Chevy Chase's career. <laughs> you said it, Sean. You said it. It's literally all downhill in this. T- <laughs> It's all downhill very quickly, <laughs> very quickly downhill. I mean, it's it's the peak. It's so good. It's all downhill. You, he's not going to top this. It's it's all downhill from here. Yeah. <laughs> Much like the sledding in this scene, this is very, um, uh, I know there's, I forget the word for it. It's when, the zenith. It's just appropriate. Like the apex. This is, his career is at the top of a mountain, the very best, the zenith. And then he has just <laughs> greased himself with this silicon-based zero-calorie lubricant, and then he's—it's all downhill from here. Then he's gonna—he's gonna try to do serious stuff, and um, <laughs> and then he's gonna slide into community as if it was a Walmart. I think that's yeah. that's what's going on. But I found something—I don't know how how reliable it is—but it says that what? this is his most uh, successful project. The Christmas Vacation has been his most. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's his, his most commercially successful project. I believe that because it's 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 like like Sean and I were talking before we started recording, talking about like these like holiday staples, and and yeah. this is a holiday staple for so many people that just like the number of people that buy the DVD or the Blu-ray or that watch this movie every year, it, it's it's you can't have a holiday without it in some households. That so it's got to have some sort of resonance, except for Neil's, of course, but he watches it on Boxing Day, right? <laughs> Yeah, so, but everything else, like, who who goes, you know what I watch every year? Fletch. What did it, what did it? um... Every year, every year, I sit down with the highball and my feet up and I watch Fletch every September 32nd. (laughs) What did it take at the box office? Uh, This is 71 million. Yeah, 71. All right, so that's, that's pretty good for 20, 20 whatever. Oh, well, yeah, it did. Yeah, 71 on a budget of 27. And and so it over doubled its uh, opening yeah. weekend was over eleven million, and that's in nineteen eighty nine money. So, I mean, when when, it when eleven million meant something, mm-hmm. it was eighty nine. Yeah, but so when, that's when it came out, when what like when in the year? 
Was it a Christmas release? Yeah, December. Yeah, the first weekend in December. This wasn't a Gremlins, but they put it out in the summer because it was making people uncomfortable. Well, yeah, I mean, that's why I asked they went head to head, and they kept unseating each other at the box office. This was the this was the summer blockbuster of 1989. This and Batman. <laughs> no, this yeah, this did come out um, yeah Christmas time, and was uh, one of only two Christmas movies to come out uh, at least in the USA in the mm. states for 1989. Um, and a little bit of trivia. Funnily enough, um, what's his name? Ooh. Rusty. Uh, Johnny Galecki is in both of those uh, major holiday releases from 1989. The other one uh, was Prancer. Oh. Is she right? Uh, about the, about a, uh, a farm go- girl who nurses a wounded reindeer that she believes is one of uh, Santa's lost reindeer. Yeah. And let me Ooh. see. According to IMDb... Uh, let's see where it is. Okay. That is uh, Prancer's opening weekend, which was in November of 1989, less than 3 million. So 11 is more than 3. So Christmas Vacation won the holiday box office in 1989. Handily. There you go. Obviously the superior movie. <laughs> so is what what version of this is like, what what format? Is this a Blu-ray that, that we're watching? Uh... This is, uh, I believe, this is from DVD. Like, the, the the screener that we're using to preview for the podcast. Is it interesting? Because I've never once noticed mm-hmm. like the debt cord wires running into the snow. Because when he still takes off, it has that beautiful, wonderful like lightning bolt yeah. of an explosion down the thing, and I'm like, what causes that? And I didn't realize until watching this that it's like you know they have like this like running cord like in the snow that you can kind of see the lines as it goes off into the distance. And I just didn't know this because it was a Blu-ray version. It was a little more um, clearer that I'm just now noticing this or what. Just speaking of noticing thing, I was looking at just before he dumps into the, the Walmart uh, gift bin there, uh, a freeze frame down that, And it's got a whole bunch of, looks like some Spanish uh, graffiti just all over the thing. Like Santa's got a little black goatee drawn on there or something <laughs> over his beard. And yeah, it's weird. Like, I don't know, do, they, do they find it this way or did they make it that way? I don't know. I'm assuming that was done for the movie. Los Perros. <laughs> and then at the end of the ride, we get the cut back to Eddie. Well, they somehow see what's happened miles away. Yeah. He, he could. How can they see? <laughs> How can they see? Ridiculous. That, yeah, that's what. That's good, though. That's good. George, if this was Gremlins, you'd have called shenanigans <laughs> on that way, way long ago. I listen. I spent 106 episodes calling shenanigans on Gremlins. I'm not saying it's not like insane. I'm just saying it makes it yeah. work. We agree. It's it's not a documentary. Not everything is you know physically possible or realistic. But again, it's, oh, it's not. It's a holiday movie. It's fantasy. It's joyful. It's mirthful. You know, you just you go along for the ride and you enjoy it and you have fun because but, you're human. You have a heart that is beating. You have blood and you have feelings, or most of us do. But it was going, for, <laughs> it was going for like house decorating set pieces that that weren't crazy. You know, it didn't have him falling like off the roof onto the <laughs> the driveway and like just getting up and shaking his head. You know, it it actually worked in that it was actually kind of real. Like he he doesn't. 
crash way like all the way back from the ladder he just falls back onto the tree and then he pushes himself back so that was like okay that, that's kind of like that's okay that's that's mm-hmm. you could imagine that almost happening but then you get this and it's just all like yeah and that's why it's so great you've gone too far <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just it's funny to me that out of this whole trip down the hill like Eddie being able to see all the way to Walmart is like the most unbelievable thing to yeah. me. Like, like, all right. like oh, I'm rockets out of the that saucer. That's normal. Like, that's okay. Yeah, but like, he can see on. all the way to Walmart. Like, really? Well, I think I think Walmart is Eddie's spirit animal, so he's attuned to all of them. Yeah, he, he, when it comes to Walmart, he is omnipresent. <laughs> he can see all Walmart at all times. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've all enjoyed. Uh, December 18th, uh, enough. Any? Not all of us, Sean. Not all of us. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say we it's all It's okay, Sean. You can speak for all of us. Go ahead. Every moment of this day. Um, so so any any final thoughts, any parting words of joy and mirthdom? You won't get any from me, Sean, so you better move on to others. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that I was talking to Sean earlier about this and I was like, it's not, this is not one of my staples. Cause he's talking about, you have someone who's like never seen it or watches it every year. I'm hard in the middle. I've only seen this maybe a handful of times, but when I do watch it, I enjoy it. I'll say it that way. So it's, it's a fun movie. It definitely uh, is. I mean, I think it, it's worth all of the hype that it gets. If you pass by a channel it's playing on, do you, do you stick with it? Uh, you, 50 50 like sometimes maybe sometimes not depending if i'm looking for something specific or i'm just trying right, to like okay. find something yeah i'll just throw it on there but all right about- yeah i've only seen this movie just a couple times i i think i just watched it halfway through for the second time as jonathan was getting ready for this um coming on this podcast and i was like oh i need to finish that movie and then i just jumped on here tonight so um i haven't yeah, I don't even know if I've seen the whole movie twice, but it's still it it made me laugh cuz it's just ridiculous. So There you go. It's so a ringing endorsement. <laughs> there you go. You could do way worse. Bingo. <laughs> That's the quote from Tabitha. <laughs> That's true. I agree with that, there George. You, you can't do way worse. <laughs> there you go. You made the Tabitha, you made you made the right choice to stop halfway through, don't worry. Oh, what a grinch. <laughs> <laughs> watch love actually instead and, you know I, I just the the thing is and and you know for for the listeners and and are the other guests and, and and jonathan and tabitha if if you don't know neil maybe you don't realize this he really loves this movie he just feels he thinks it's good podcasting he feels you need a contrarian voice you know if everyone just is gushing about how great it is and how much they love it that's a little boring so he's playing a part for the the sake of podcasting i just want to let the listeners know that he's you know he's not really that cold-hearted that he really does enjoy this movie no no pete, yeah he told me before before the show to be uh you got to be negative here neil you got to be a hater <laughs> and he's like, I don't know if I can do that, Pete. And then he's like, he's, he's, he's like, oh, I can do this. I can do this real well. Yeah, you did a good job of being the hater, Neil. <laughs> yeah, good job. Okay, he's, thanks. Yeah, thanks, he's just he's he taking one for the team. He's doing it for the sake of, of show business. But <laughs> we know, you know, underneath it, on the inside, he's just an old softie. And he's loving it. <laughs> thanks, guys. <Yeah. laughs> 
He's greasing up his right. right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is a euphemism. <laughs> and on that note, uh, so I think I think I think it's time to to kind of wrap up our adventures for December eighteenth. So, uh, Jonathan and Tabitha, thanks, thanks you very much for stopping by. If uh, if our listeners want to hear more from you, is there some place they can do that? Uh, yep, yeah, we the princessbrideminute dot com. Um, you can go there and listen to the entire show as it is over, and hopefully, sometime in the next year, we'll have uh, some UHF sixty second coming at you. And Tabitha may be involved in some of that. Maybe <laughs> we I'll can get her on the mic peripherally. Pop in here and there. Otherwise, I'm just on Facebook. So there you go. <laughs> All right, yeah. Really, really looking forward to the the UHF. That's a another good movie. And so, Neil and George, if, if folks want to hear more of your witty back and forth, and one partner taking the the Scrooge view of things, and genteel, genteel disagreement, <laughs> yeah, and and maybe even Go another on, Christmas movie. Where can folks find that? <laughs> Ma- Magwai Minute, guys. It's Magwai. You've forgotten already. <laughs> oh, so no. I thought I heard you. In- I thought I. I thought I heard you inhale to speak, and then there was silence, and I was like, "Oh, well, that was unintended." Yeah, uh, yeah. The Magwai Minute, our website, our uh, Instagram. You know, we're on we're on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and all those places. So come find us and listen to us. Yeah, we. Yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back uh, in the new year with Gremlins 2, The New Batch, which I don't no. think really I consider a Christmas movie. Not like the first one. No, I yeah. don't think it is. Although I, I haven't seen it in a long time. So. Yeah, yeah. So really looking forward to Gremlins was good, and I expect yeah. Gremlins 2 to be even better. There you go. <laughs> we do, too. You do well. So uh, <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, so, Christopher, do our best. anything else going on other than the... The Christmas vacation days. Well, I was gonna uh, ask people to join us at the our Facebook uh, is it a group, a club, a group. It's a club. We call it a club. It's a group. It's the NLCBD it's Jelly a, of the yeah. Month Club. Uh, otherwise, you can find me on you know, find me on Facebook. I'm the only one with my name. And uh, come find me at uh, uh, friendsfamilia.org if you want to check that out too. Yeah, yeah, definitely would uh, suggest folks check out the the Friends of Amelia and. Uh... Yeah, so we've got the Jelly of the Month Club. Uh, we're also on Twitter with NLC Vacation Days. And if you want to keep up to date with the latest news on on the Christmas days, we've got a website uh, that is groundhogminute.com. And all things Christmas vacation will be there. And as you may guess from, uh, from that website name that uh, my next project coming up will be Groundhog Minute, where I'll be covering the movie Groundhog Day, one minute at a time. But uh, until that, that, that's coming for spring 2018. But until that picks up, uh, the website is currently being occupied by Christmas vacation stuff. So you can, you can check us out there. And uh, Mummet does something, but no one really listens to that. No one can remember what Mummet does, so it's uh, whatever. Mummer's the word on that one. <laughs> yeah, the, the less said on that, the better, I think. All right, and as, so as I warned you, and I'm now talking to uh, Tabitha, Jonathan, and, and Neil, and George, not not the audience. As I warned you, we don't have an ending for this, so I think we're officially done. <laughs> <laughs> it was genuine, guys. It wasn't a. Run. 
<laughs> it was real genuine. <laughs> it was all from the heart, believe me. It's, uh, it's the only way it was going to go. Yeah.